to Campfire Fireside Chats. This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Welcome, campers, to this week's Fireside Chat. Just a couple of quick announcements, and then we'll get to this week's guest. We have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. Choose the tier that best suits your preference, and get access to exclusive and discounted merch, behind-the-scenes looks at the writing and editing process, two weekly shows, Lights Out, an exploration of short horror, and Midweek Weird, a Fortean news update, and two monthly shows, Into Thin Air, The Missing 411 Files, and a series devoted to taking a deep look at the famed Men in Black. That's ten. Count them ten bonus episodes a month. In addition to all this, you can get monthly swag bags. So what are you waiting for? Get over there. If you want the whole world to know that you're a diehard camper, go find the link in this episode's description or go through our link tree and go check out our merch store. Stickers, t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs. Fantastic designs by Jonathan Dodd and Easton Hawk. It all awaits you there. And while you're in that link tree, tap on the Discord button and come join the community that we're building. Our Discord is a place where we can connect with all of you on a more personal level. So get over there and join the fun. All right, on to this week's guest. This guy is someone who has become a dear friend of mine, honestly, over the last six months. Someone that I've come to filter almost all of my ideas about 14 Phenomenon through. He hosted the wildly insightful and hilarious podcast called Darwin's Deviations, and is now the host of a fantastic exploration into these same concepts although it's, it is through a much more grounded lens, and that show is called Tracing Owls. This guy is, in my opinion, a bit of an undiscovered genius. There's no reason why the entire Fortean podcast community shouldn't be listening to everything he makes. Trust me, it will make you better. All right, without further ado, because that was a lot of ado, Vuk, I mean Darwin. Well, they're both in there. Just listen. All right, Vuk, right? That's pronounced correctly? Okay, I wanted to make sure. Okay. So, Though I prefer Darwin because not many people can pronounce it okay. correctly. Right, yeah. <laughs> but I, as someone who's talked to you over the last few months quite a bit, know that there is a huge difference between Vuk and Darwin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The character you created for the show is just... I mean, that, that show is brilliant. I... Honestly, I, I love it. Every time I go back and listen to more of it, like, I'm afraid to just binge it beginning to end because I don't want all of it to be over. You know what I mean? Because I know it's technically over. You're done doing it, right? But I don't want it to be done. So I'm taking my time with it. Well, maybe that's why I inserted a lot of Easter eggs into the show because of rewatchability because my my original idea was to create something for myself leaving an imprint of my own ideas and personality out into the clouds mm-hmm. it's not a product it's not meant for listeners to just treat like like 
weekly podcasts which they just listen to and forget forever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I use the example of the X-Files. The X-Files is no longer ongoing, but people still go, go back to it and re-watch it and, and see these kind of synchronicities between the episodes, these fine details. Yeah, there's, a, there, there's always more to find watching it i i get that vibe from from your show too now that you mentioned like now that you describe it that way because like i don't there's just so much to it there's so much depth in the show and like you can tell that it was a passion project you know what i mean that like you described it wasn't just meant as something that would go on and on and on and on and people just you know listen for an hour and and move on and listen to another podcast you know like there's something in every episode to be taken away. Yeah, well, I, I personally sometimes listen back to my old episodes just to hype myself up. Yeah. It really was a passion project because I was making it for myself. Now that I'm no longer podcasting, I'm still able to listen to my old episodes and think, wow, this was me a year ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that completely. Would you ever, have you ever considered doing something more? Um, I guess less character based, more like podcasting, more as, like serious. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, podcasting as yourself, basically. Well, th- that was my attempt with the tracing owls thing, and I made a few episodes, but still, it's it's still comedic because that's that's essentially who I am. Yeah. I I try to do more serious content and it feels like work and I need to have fun with something in order to be motivated to continue on with it. Yeah. That yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like you recently just what just a couple days ago started um on the Darwin's Devia- Deviations Instagram page started these like these cool posts where it's just like a little blurb about some creature. Right? Yeah, and and the thing is, like, I was thinking, okay, maybe I can do something serious. Maybe I can do fun facts about weird animals. That lasted for one post. <laughs> that lasted for one post. Yeah. And then I, I started making wacky stuff, and it, it fulfilled me. Yes. It's like nobody's doing this. Everybody who, who writes about science wants to be serious mm-hmm. and i like taking the cosmic joker approach i i see these animals as 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 some kind of anomalies of nature that were gifted to us by some cosmic trickster and i like i like uh analyzing the absurdity of life itself not just the boring plain old science of it right I think the problem there is with with people taking science so seriously is that so much of it is they're concerned about being taken seriously. You know what I mean? Like in order to climb the ladder in the scientific field, you have to constantly be concerned with your image and how you're perceived by your peers and and all that and that influences yes. the way, you know, their approach to particularly like there's a big difference between like you're one of the things that you post on Instagram and, you know, a peer-reviewed journal article, right? 
at the end of the day, it's just entertainment. Yeah. But it's science entertainment. And I think, like, there are a lot of people who are into science who are looking for some kind of entertainment that will speak to them. Uh, that's the reason I even started my podcast. Right. It was like every animal podcast I was listening to was very, very science heavy and trying to be very respectful. And I'm like, why is nobody making fun of this stupid creature? <laughs> and at the end of the day, if I'm treating it seriously or if I'm making fun of it, it doesn't matter because the creature is something that exists in nature and nature exists uh, independent, independently of myself and it, independently of how we uh, treat nature in our heads, basically. I always say, and I've said this a few times on my podcast, like if all humans would just die out now and we forever lose our collective scientific knowledge, nature will keep existing as it is because it is independent of our understanding of it. Right. Science is just our personal cataloging of the, na of the nature that we are observing, but the nature exists regardless of how we observe it. Yeah. I, I think people kind of lose sight of that, right? Like they, especially people in the scientific community, they, some of them, I won't say all of them, but some of them fall into the pitfall of kind of making themselves the main character of their story. You know what I mean? I don't know if it's narcissism or again, just that drive to be taken seriously and climb the ladder, but like, they make it about themselves instead of, like you said, like you were describing nature as this just, you know, it's a monolith. You, there's no changing it. There's no, like, it's going to be what it is, regardless of your thoughts on it. It's easy to climb a ladder if you abide by self-imposed rules. Right. And somewhat, somehow you can view science as a video game. It's an artificial se uh, set of self-imposed rules, and people are basically playing something like a like a multiplayer online game and then you have people like me who who try to hack into that and and test the the limits of the game engine and then these people are shocked and decide we need to ban these people because we are paid to play this game by this set of rules right cuz you're you actually do have a background in science right in biology yeah, yeah, I I have a bachelor's degree in in biology, and it is with an education emphasis because that's how it works in my country. Uh, as a freshman, you choose. It's not like in America where you you start college and then you choose a major, and the major can be anything basically. Uh, like from day one, I am studying bi biology. Right. Like even before I uh, entered college, I applied for. A biological degree but then I have an education emphasis or more scientific emphasis and the education emphasis is basically to be a biology teacher which I worked as briefly for about two years right so <clears throat> the and the beginning of of Darwin's deviations kind of reflects the that legitimate science background because the show you know ultimately it ended up exploring cryptids and mythology and you know, modern modern folklore, basically. But it started out as just each episode was a spotlight on some 
some creature that no one really talked about, right? Some bizarre creature. Yeah, and the more I I went into these things, the more I talked about them, the more I I saw just the absurdism of of <laughs> their existence, and especially our um, our understanding of their nature and uh, our relationship to these organisms. Because even in episode one, I talked about like a gecko that is able to shed its skin and then escape from predation. But then you have the same paper that discovered it adding lines about the potential of us to uh, further research into the species so we can create cosmetic products for skin regeneration in humans. And I'm like, is this the only point of science? Like, even when we discover something new that is incredible, we still need to rationalize it from some kind of economic perspective. Right. Like, why does it always have to be self-serving, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, like, was that, would you say that that realization kind of was, like, the catalyst? Because your show kind of shifted from a physical science focus to a social science focus. Yeah, because the more I went into these topics, the more uh, I was fascinated by the human uh, understanding of nature, the philosophy of science—not not just like technical material science, but how science evolved throughout the years and how we, uh, as a so- society, have influenced uh, scientific thought mm. and all the elements that went into that. And of course, the the further you go into the past, the more mythological this becomes. Right, because even, even the, um, even the like confirmed cataloged creatures that you covered, um, fairly early on, you took a turn toward um, a creature that was basically a hoax, right? But it was in the catalog for what decades, right? Yeah, there there was this fish called the Ompax spatuloids, which which started out as a hoax but the person that was being hoaxed was a museum curator and he he was not in on the joke so he actually influenced a local ichthyologist in australia to describe the species based just on a drawing of the fish and they cling to this idea for years because if it was real it, it would have been an amazing discovery a new lungfish species in Australia and the lungfish is very important and was a very important discovery because it it gives a few points towards the Darwinian Darwinian side of the debate it breathes through gills and lungs and it's a transitional species between fish and amphibians and this one had i mean was the was the situation described in the episode that was literally how it happened like he was Based on my research, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> they served him one, right? They served him an amalgamation of different fish as well as a platypus bill. Yeah. <laughs> this story is just so absurd. Like, I can't imagine that taking place in the 21st century. Yeah. Wow. And the thing is, like, the the actual credible scientist who... who took time to describe the species again 50 years later said it has to be 
It has to be erased from from the records because it's a disgrace to science. And that that's the more modernistic approach to these things. Yeah. I, I am I'm more fascinated by uh, the mythology of it all. Uh, the the passion of this this museum curator for for the existence of this this possible fish that never existed yeah and that's more interesting to me than an actual fish because fish science is very boring <laughs> it's just measurement it's measurements of the distances between fins basically see and that's what was so brilliant about your show even from the beginning was like you took these and it's not like you left out the dry parts you know what i mean they're still there but it's packaged it's it's packaged in this way that is i don't know if it's just like your personality or the the humor that you inject it, into it's it it's actually it's actually the education emphasis of my education in biology basically that makes sense because if you work with teenagers and I was a teacher in in high school you need to animate them they don't give a shit about biology yeah Sometimes, and I said this in one episode where I talk about myself and my background, you need to blatantly lie to the to the audience. Yeah. And yes, the, the students are your audience, and you are a performer, you're a performance artist as a teacher. Mm-hmm. And in order to animate them, in order to trick them to, to learn something for themselves, sometimes you need to over-exaggerate and blatantly lie, and then they... Go on the internet, which is a great tool nowadays uh, for teaching Mm -hmm. and is available to every student outside of school. So they're interested by something intrigued. Go on the internet, see that it is much different than how you presented it. And then you tell them, yeah, I made you look. Yeah. And just getting a student to go home and Google something you talked about is a huge win. Yeah. Yeah. And you would probably know that. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, just the, I don't know, your presentation of it is what got me immediately. Because I started I started listening to the show much later in it from the, you know, I didn't originally go back to the beginning. So you were already deep into cryptids and talking about, like, Serbian Mothman and, and all this, all this modern folklore. Um, the episode where you're talking about the fish that we were just discussing that like amalgam of creatures on the plate is I mean it reminds me specifically of the old carnival shows of like the Jersey Devil you know what I mean where they're like yeah P.T. Barnum basically Fiji mermaids yeah where they're like connecting wings to the back of a painted kangaroo and like yeah that's so I can see the transition for sure. Like I can see where where your mind flipped there. And was that like was that what originally sparked your interest in in all the cryptozoology and stuff like that? Or is that something that you had been interested in before? Well, I I was I was interested in cryptids like from a very early age. Okay. So basically when I was a little kid, my mom used to read me biological books and encyclopedias. Mostly dinosaurs and paleontology and stuff like that. Okay. So I I was a dinosaur kid and don't don't blame me I I <laughs> I was a '90s kid as well. No, me too. I was right there with you. 
Yeah, so... Uh, as the years progressed, like, I, I learned to read for myself, and I'd get all these books from the school library that are not for my age, and sift through them, and and then it was all scientific, like, biological. And then I'd somehow stumble upon some weird shit. And then my mom would introduce me to Ripley's Believe It or Not books, mm. if you remember those. I do. Yeah, and I visited a few museums, and like, wow, this is wonderful, but everything in Ripley's books is just a paragraph without much context. Yeah. And they just say, believe it or not, it, it does not have any sources. <laughs> yeah. So very quickly, I, I, I was bored by these these cases of people with horns and anomalies and whatnot, and I discovered the I discovered the paranormal, which is not rigid like science. It it is more open to interpretation. And then I just amalgamated all of that with yeah. biology. Which kind of is the field of cryptozoology, right? It's like those two things smashed together. Yes, but uh, unfortunately, and we discussed this already <laughs> in our prior discussions, like cryptozoologists constantly want to legitimize themselves, yeah. and the scientific community has not, does not want anything to do with them. So in a way, they are doing themselves a disservice because cryptozoologists are trying to, to say these are... Uh, unidentified, misidentified animals, while zoologists say it is just misidentified animals, and then w once the cryptozoologist like actually discovers a new species, you know what happens? The scientific community just takes it away from the cryptozoologists and erases everything mythological associated with that species. Which is bullshit, because, because there's a whole context... And a whole history of our relationship with this species before it was legitimized. And I already told you, like, my main interest in biology are ecology and evolution. And ecology is not saving the planet and, and anti-pollution and all that, like you're told in school. Ecology is the science of interactions between species. Right. and their environment and think about it like if there are estimated uh, 3 million species on this planet think about how many different types of interactions there are between all of those species all the strings that connect them together mm -hmm. and in a way these mythologies are strings which connect us to all the species we are eventually legitimizing but they are part of the ecological uh, framework of our understanding of, of nature itself. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's huge. Really what I think of when, because I'd never really heard anyone put into words the fact that once, once a cryptozoologist does legitimately catalog a creature it's it really is just snatched away by the mainstream science community and everything that came before that is gone they just do away with it so imagine the legends that surrounded like the mountain gorilla before it was actually discovered those are things we never hear about do you actually know uh, more about the legends or more about the mountain gorilla I, exactly I, yeah 
I mean, I've never heard I've never heard anything about the legends that surrounded it. And you know that the legends preceded the the actual cataloging of that species by a, a long period of time. And I just feel like that's a huge law. I mean, just imagine just imagine how many cultures there there are where gorillas live and we all imperial bastards like to think of Africa as one giant nation but that's incorrect. There yeah. are a lot of cultures and tribes and a lot of lots of religions and languages there. And just imagine how many of these cultures actually actually got in touch and interacted with the gorilla and how much oral and mythical tradition is tied to this but it is forever gone because nobody nobody took the time to learn their languages speak to them and and document this yeah and that's the thing that we were discussing before we started recording today was the the loss in translation and a, just a general lack of interest i think i honestly think it's that it's that bad is that it's just a general lack of interest in when like European or American people go into particularly Africa and South America and look for these creatures there's they don't bother once there's a language barrier they they just want a general idea and then they're like we'll just make up the rest as we go yeah, they show natives these uh, drawings of dinosaurs which are actually scientifically outdated, believe it or not. Yeah. And then the natives say, oh, we did see that, but the thing they are being shown is actually not scientific and and never existed. It is, And dinosaurs are a huge topic. We could talk about the mythology of dinosaurs. Everything we, we believe we know about di- dinosaurs is myth- mythology and speculation. And now we know more about the myth of dinosaurs than we do about actual dinosaurs because we will never be able to fully legitimize dinosaurs because they're long gone. Right. I mean, when all you have is a fossil record, you kind of just have to fill in the blanks, right? And that's what we've done over, you know, two centuries, right? We just sort of kind of made it up as we went. We're like, well, this sort of looks like a lizard, so I bet they looked like lizards. I mean, you know about the bone wars that were happening in the 19th century. Paleontologists were, were making chimera uh, skeletons from different species. <laughs> I think even the Brontosaurus is not a real species. It was an amalgamation of different species. And we still think of Brontosaurus when we think of uh, sauropods, those long-necked dinosaurs. Because yeah. it is... It has become mythology. It has become an archetype in the collective consciousness. Yeah, I mean, um, pop culture pulled it, like, grabbed it up, and it became, you know, I mean, I grew up watching Land Before Time movies, the, like, cartoon dinosaur movies, and the main character is a brontosaurus, right? So I definitely identify that as, I mean, I think that iconic opening scene in Jurassic Park isn't when he when they first see the dinosaurs isn't that a brontosaurus I think those are brachiosaurs okay Th- their neck goes up like a giraffe's neck and you know they have that bulging thing on the top of their head with nostrils right okay 
And even the Brachiosaurus has a lot of myths tied to it. Like, people wrote whole books about the possibility that it was an aquatic dinosaur. Because how can something that large support itself on land? Right. Now that makes sense. I don't... You're. I mean, I never really thought about... People think about paleontology and all that as, like, a very hard science. Right? But it seems like there's a lot of interpretation involved. It is the most... Yeah, it is the most legitimate speculative science there is. <laughs> I mean, apart from, like, quantum physics, but right. I know nothing about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's your plan? Because I I know that's sort of... I don't want to put you on the spot or anything, but, like, before we, before we finish here today, I want, like... Because you're one of my favorite creators, period. And I, I really don't want to, like, go away thinking that you're just going to stop creating. Do you have any plans for... Aren't we creating right now? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I don't have any plans, but, like, I, I started those, those informative fact posts, so it's a good start for now. I'll take that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I get back to tracing owls, because it's it's a lot more easier to make. I don't know. I don't have to act. I don't have to portray characters. I can be myself. But as podcasting is like, and we all know it, it's it's a a lot of work to make it. Certainly. Episode. Yeah. But those those Darwin's deviations episodes were incredible amount of amount of work editing yeah acting all that yeah i like i listen to those and i think like man what i do is lazy <laughs> you know what i mean because it's i don't know i don't know somebody would say what i do is lazy because i basically shit on creatures <laughs> yeah. i tell the legit story and then i make fun of it i mean but there's an art to that Right, and you've kind of mastered. I it. know, I know, and uh, I intentionally made like a few episodes about animals that nobody ever covered, even in blogs or anything. And then I say, like, if you don't enjoy the way I'm this, uh, I'm portraying this creature, then make your own damn episode on it. Right, it's like a, a call to action for more people to get involved. I don't know. So, somewhat, I I was hoping that my show would inspire other people to make a podcast. You don't have to have a co-host. I did my podcast all alone, and I portrayed tens of characters as my fake co-hosts. Yeah. You don't have to have equipment. I I recorded my whole show on an Android phone. That's... I still can't wrap <laughs> my head around that. That's sick. It sounds so good. Like, do, do you have any background in editing before you started no, the podcast? No, no. Oh, my God. No, I only made one video for, for YouTube, like, <sighs> five years ago. That's insane. Like, you understand that, right? The editing on that show is so good. You know what? It's It's perfectionalism in a way, but it's also when you're when you're creating something for yourself... You want to put out there something that is uh, perfect and that speaks to you personally. It isn't perfect for other people and I don't care. But it's something that I want to listen to. So when I'm creating an episode, 
uh, I am doing everything I can to to make the episodes ideal for myself and so I can enjoy it. And uh, in in that uh, like situation, it's not very hard to to put a lot of time and effort into the work if you're enjoying it, if you're making it for yourself. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there is something. There's aside from the the actual content of the show, there's something very like charming and punk rock and DIY about the show. When I first, I'll be honest, when we first started talking, I was. I was in this very, like, go get them space in my head. I was, like, determined to get our show, our show's numbers up and, like, get out there and and um, sell the show to anyone who would listen, you know. And I still very much am like that, but I was you, a little... You're sure you want people to hear that <laughs> on the air? <laughs> yeah. No, that's fine. Um, but when we first started talking, I was a little put off by like you. You kind of have this like punk rock energy. Like, why are you like just make it for yourself? Who gives a damn? Like, yeah, yeah. And that was not at all the headspace I was in at the time. I was like trying to find every way to to advertise the show and and get it out there. But like, I've come to really appreciate that about you. Is like. And that's, I think that's why your, your content is so, it's so engaging is because it's not, you're not looking at a target commercial. You know what I mean? Like it's, it was not created to get something from you. It's created to give you something. Well, you know, in my episodes, I have a lot of fake advertisements. Yeah. It's like finally, finally, this guy is is selling out and promoting something. No, it's just a joke, right? I don't know. I'm I'm just kind of infatuated with the show, um, but I I think what you do, what you did with that show is awesome. And while I don't want you to stop creating, I really, honestly, as a fan of the show, I don't ever want you to go back to that show. Like, I feel like that show is a capsule. You know what I mean? Yeah, that that was basically the point of it. It's a time capsule and an imprint of myself. Yeah. As, I, as I joked about the fossil organisms I covered, imprinting their dumb little blobby bodies into stone so we can make fun of them, <laughs> that's exactly what I was doing with the show. I was yeah. imprinting myself, making fun of myself... So you can laugh along with me. I love it, man. I'm. Thank you for doing the interview. It's no problem. I really enjoyed it, and I want you to come back so we can get into some more topics too. And we'll we'll have to do this again for sure. Yeah, yeah. We we haven't even scratched the surface of what we wanted to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I like I. I just. We didn't even say the word tulpa once. Oh. I just, I just did it. <laughs> well, next time, I, I really want to get into that. Okay? Okay. All right. Awesome. Thank you. No problem, man. Great news, campers. In the days following this interview, Vuk decided that he would once again devote himself to his show, Tracing Owls. In fact, he has already released a couple fantastic episodes. 
So go follow Tracing Owls on your favorite pod chaser and on Instagram. Now, let's roll that outro that you all know and love. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. And if you want more, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. It's there you will find bonus content behind the scenes. We're just keeping up on our day to day and maybe some swag along the way. It is our way to show thanks for your support and do everything we can to provide you with as much content as possible. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling with that said we want to get to know each and every one of you so please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on instagram and facebook at campfire t-o-t-s-a-u on twitter and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com if you love the show please rate and review it It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And lastly, we do have our merch store. You can find the link available on all of our social media or via our link tree. Show your support. Buy a shirt. Buy a sticker. Buy a blanket. Buy a pillow. Anything that you want to rep Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers... Stay weird and trust in the unknown. unknown.